my name is Ryan. If we haven't met yet, um, I, I'm here. I take care of the kids here at uh, Neighborhood Church. Um, we're going to spend time this morning continuing our series from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So if you guys want to flip over to Matthew chapter 6, and while you're doing that, um, I was thinking about something recently as, as I was trying to unpack this, because we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount series, and Jesus speaking to you know his people and what was going on in their lives. And it's so funny how almost everything is the same, even though everything's different, right? So going through this, I was thinking about how we now live in a world where within just a few clicks, we can post whatever we want about whatever we want, uh, and, and, and the world can see it, right? In just a few clicks, we can post a silly thing about what food we're eating. That's kind of my thing. I like food. Um, we can also post like a vacation, pictures of the kids. We can also post passive aggressive things about our sports teams that didn't have a great weekend like mine. Like we, you know, you can do all of this within just the touch of a button. But why do we do it? No one cares about what I'm eating for dinner. But if you follow me on Instagram, that's all I post. Why do we do this? I was thinking about it and it was like, we, we, we have this idea of ourselves and we have this picture of ourselves that we want to put forth into the world, right? We want to be viewed a certain way. We want people to think of us a certain way. And social media provides an opportunity to really curate that image if you really want to. Like you can really put a filter on your face, make yourself look, you know, quote unquote, more attractive. Like you can do anything you want with this stuff. It doesn't make it good though, right? And it's that idea of self-promotion and what is something for. So the question that I want to spend some time discussing today is what if we take that idea, right, of narrative and curation and how we want people to perceive us. And what if we were to apply that to the good gifts that God has given us? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? What are the consequences, positive and negative of that? And then what does that mean? Like, what do we do with that knowledge? Well, the good news is, is that Jesus already preached on this a long time ago, so we can read what he said, and it's going to be a lot more profound, right? So as you guys flip over to Matthew chapter 6, we're going to begin as we do with the disciples' prayer. And we'll begin with the disciples' prayer. There we go. With the disciples' prayer. Now remember, these are not magic words, right? This is not an incantation. This is not a spell. This is Jesus said, pray like this, so we pray like this. So you're more than welcome to join in verbally. If not, you just want to close your eyes and bow your heads. That's okay too. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So again, not magic words, but when Jesus says pray like this, we listen, right? So in this passage on the Sermon on the Mount, we notice we covered the first four verses last week, right? So Pastor Michael talked through the idea of, of what happens if we give over to our pride and how that robs us of serving God in the way that we were designed to. But now we're going to continue on verses five through eight. But for context, it's important that we begin back at verse one. So I'll read that now. 
Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And verse 9 reads, pray then like this, which we just did. So we're going to be discussing prayer all morning long. We're going to spend the next probably 20, 25 minutes or so talking about prayer. Now, prayer is an idea that you hear a lot. We hear the, the term. It's one of those church words, right? But a lot of times we misunderstand what the point of it is. Well, Jesus does something really powerful here. He begins with what not to do. Right? He doesn't say do these things. He says, don't do these things, right? Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Right there at verse 5, he says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Prayer was created by God so that we could have an intimate connection with him. It's not for self-promotion. This is very, very important. We have to understand this, right? God created prayer. Now let's deal with a couple of quick you know, ideas behind prayer. God created the entire world. God knows what's going to happen. He, he wrote the entire book. He knows from beginning to end. So if he's created prayer and he encourages us to ask things of him, why would we ask things of him when he knows the end of the story? Yes, because he told us to. And because he designed it so that it would be a thing that would help connect you to him. You're spending time with the creator of the universe. It's designed for that intimate connection. It's designed so that you can understand the God of all cares about what you need and wants to fulfill what you need. Now, most of the time, we don't know what we need, but he does. Prayer was created for intimate connection, not self-promotion. It's not prideful prayer. Now, notice a couple of things from the verse. He says, don't be like the hypocrites, right? Now, hypocrites is another church word. It's like one of our favorite ones, right? We, we talk about it a lot. But where it came from, the Greek word behind it means actor. So think about your favorite actor right now, okay? And that person, that, that, that guy, that gal, right? That, your favorite actor, why do you like that actor so much? Now, most likely it's because you watched something and that actor did something in their performance that made you feel a certain way. There was a connection, right? 
And that connection drew you in, made you care. Well, if we're going to be like a hypocrite or like an actor, we're performing for an audience. We're trying to make that audience feel. So when he's talking about prayer and he says, you must not be like the hypocrites, that means that your prayer life could actually be a performance. That hurts, right? That kind of hits you pretty hard. Think about that for a second. I could be performing for an audience as opposed to what prayer was designed for, which was what? An intimate connection with my creator, right? You see how missing that is so important. It, it messes everything up. Prayer is a gift from God to remind us of our dependence on him. It's a lot easier to acknowledge that everything you have, your entire bank account, all of the vehicles that you have, the house that you're in, your kids, everything came from him. It's all his. And you know when you realize that the most? When you're talking to him and you're praying and you're asking him for something else and you're realizing that all the other stuff he gave you, it, it resets the whole thing and it gives you a different perspective, right? It's a gift from God to remind us of our dependence on him. It also connects us to him. And to use this gift in a selfish way illustrates where our heart is. So if I'm praying and my prayer, and I'm thinking through how it's going to be perceived, right? I'm, I'm in that prideful prayer state where really all I want people to think about is how righteous I am, how pious I am. I, 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 as opposed to the God of the universe. And who is he? And what is he doing? And where is he guiding my family? What is he doing? Acts of worship are designed to point us to God. What we're doing this morning is designed to point us to God. If it points us to a person, we've missed it. If it points us to each other, we've missed it. Now, all of the interaction we have with one another is incredibly important. God calls us to come together, to care for one another, to bear each other's burdens, but the whole point of an act of worship is to point to God. When we make it about ourselves, we actually are trying to rob God of his glory. It's a hard one. How much glory have you tried to steal from God this week? For me, it's up there, right? Think about that. How much time are you acknowledging who he is and what he's doing versus who you are and what you want? It's a different mindset. So we think, okay, prideful prayer, yeah, I get it. It's, that's not my thing. I, I, when I talk to God, you know, me, me talking to God, it's just me and him. It's, it's a relationship thing, blah, 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 blah. Okay, um, think about the last time you prayed publicly. What's different in your public life of prayer than your private life? Is it different? Is it the same? Think about that for a second. Think about the last time you practiced a prayer before you said it. it. Hurts, right? You think about how are other people going to perceive my walk with God as opposed to what the act is there for? The act is to connect us to the God of the universe. 
remind us of our dependence on him. But then what we're doing is we're thinking, how is person B going to think about what it is I'm going to say? Not the God who created me, four great works that he has designed for me. How am I acknowledging who he is in these words? Make sense? And Jesus unpacks that and hits it dead on. Don't be like the hypocrites. But he doesn't stop there. He says, for they love to stand and to pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So Jesus will give you what you want. He's not pushy. If you want a reward and the reward being people thinking that you're pious and righteous, he'll let you have that. But if you want a relationship with him that is deepening, a relationship with him that is now becoming the core of who you are and is the fuel for what God has called you to do and it changes the way you live on Monday, not just Sunday, he'll give you that too. If that's what you want. Jesus says, truly, I say to you that they have received their reward. So that person that's in that prideful prayer, they get to say, amen, and then a couple of people, you know, they get maybe a, a golf clap, right? Can you guys, anybody good with golf claps? What do we got? We're so righteous, guys. Oh my gosh. You feel it, right? Now, we laugh because it's silly. How much time did we spend asking for golf claps this week? Think about that for a second, Right? How much time did we spend thinking about who God is and what he's doing versus how I'm being perceived by someone else? And what does that illustrate about my heart? So let's do a quick compare and contrast, right? Let's do prideful prayer versus Jesus-centered prayer, okay? So Jesus says that you're going to get your reward, okay? So let's, let's think through what that really is. So prideful prayer, you get your golf clap, right? you get human approval, you may have an improved or good reputation, okay? Not, not necessarily bad things, but a Jesus-focused prayer, you get a deepened relationship with the creator of the universe. You get a better understanding of what your purpose is. You get to be reminded of the good works that he's created for you to do, and those good works are people, and how to help people, and how to care for people, because he loves people. And you get a better understanding of how you are to love others with Jesus-centered prayer. Wouldn't you want to know more about what he thinks and what he wants than just a little bit of applause? People didn't create you with a purpose. He did. He created you and designed you and equipped you to reach your neighbors to meet and follow Jesus. Love your mom and dad. They didn't do that. They love you. They care about you. He created you with a purpose. And then Jesus expands on this idea from verse 5. He tells them to go into a room and pray in secret. Anybody else think that was weird? Reading through that, I was like, what? Why would we go into a room and pray in secret? Well, this is... I love the passages of the scripture that can come across really silly because I'm kind of a silly person. That's why I take care of kids. Think about this for a second. So at the time, and this still happens to this day in some areas, right? But they would have the prayer hour, right? 
So they have times throughout the day that are designated for prayer. Now, if I'm a prideful prayer person, right? I'm out in public, you know, I'm looking at my watch that I don't have because, you know, back then, right? But I know what time is coming up and I can design my day to find myself in the most public of places when it's time to pray. And then I can be on the street corner just praying. The most eloquent words, just, oh, oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And you know what? I'm feeling the golf claps. They're walking, they're, they're, they're walking by me. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. He's following God. He's following God. You see it, right? And that was happening. So he's saying, don't be like the hypocrites, right? The actors, the people who are trying to elicit an emotional response out of others. That's what was happening. And he's saying to not be like them. And he's saying to take that time and to go into a private place and to pray. Because what is prayer for? To deepen your relationship with your creator. To have a better understanding of who he is and what he wants out of you. What it is he's doing. And doing that, he will reward you. That's what it says. Jesus is saying the issue is the heart. The actions illustrate the heart. You're using prayer for self-promotion versus Jesus' connection. So finally, this last section, I just I love it because Jesus is just so straight to the, to the point. Verses 7 and 8, he says, and, then, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Prayers are not magic spells, right? This ain't Harry Potter. It's not how this works. God responds to our hearts, not our words. You can have the most eloquent speech in the history of the world, and if your heart is far from God, you think, you think that works, right? Like, but we rehearse it. And we think about what the best thing to say and the right time to say it. And the whole time we're doing all of that, our heart is far from God and he's going, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. Now notice he transitioned though, before he was saying not like the hypocrites and now he's saying not like the Gentiles. Okay, so there's a little bit of a switch here. Let's make sure we unpack this and understand it. So the Gentiles, right? So those would be people that are not Jewish, people that are not following the God of the Bible, Okay. They were still worshiping false gods. So as they're doing that, right, they have their own way of praying. And at the time, a lot of the methods of prayer were repetition. It was the same words over and over and over again, right? Think Mount Carmel, uh, Elijah with the prophets for Baal, right? They're, they're praying to Baal over and over and over again because the idea was the performance of my prayer will elicit a response out of my God. And he's saying, not like that at all. I'm sorry, I slapped the microphone, I got excited. He's saying it's not like that at all. It's a completely different point here. It's not about your performance. It's about your heart. And you know who healed your heart? Me. So then coming to me with some eloquence and thinking that's gonna elicit a response from me is silly. It's an illustration that you don't understand this relationship. You're missing it. The point is to come to me in brokenness, not eloquence. That's what God wants. He wants our brokenness. He wants our reality. He wants to, he knows. 
It's the silliest thing in the world to go to God with some caked up stuff when it's your heart, you're super angry and upset about everything. It makes no sense. But we do it all the time. Because we're hung up in the pride prayer as opposed to the Jesus-focused prayer. God wants our brokenness. Are we going to give it to him? Then he goes and he says, pray then like this. And I just want to read it again. Just listen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Brings us to our big idea. When we misuse prayer, we trade God's blessings for golf claps. And I know that's silly. I know. But it's true. God designed this prayer thing as a gift to connect with us because he knew that we're jacked up and we're not going to get there on our own. He knew that we needed him and he knew that we needed a regular connection to him. And when we misuse it, we're trading off an understanding of who we are because of the person who created us for this. Even if you get a standing ovation, it's not worth it. People will leave. God is eternal. So a couple questions to think about this week. How does your public prayer life differ from your private one? Have your prayer requests changed in the past year? If so, how? How do you guard yourself against prideful prayer? Let's pray together. Father, We come to you understanding who we are. And who we are, Lord, is people who need you. You've paid for the sins of the world. You've brought about the opportunity for redemption of those sins through your son Jesus and what he did on that cross. Thank you that he came down, led a sinless life, allowed himself to be killed, and rose from the dead to show us clearly what the gospel is. Lord, you're worthy of our praise. Remind us of that over and over and over. Thank you for who you are, God. And thank you for reminding us of who we are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.